Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming to this Dharma talk. But before I start, I want to uh, let all of you know that we made our goal uh, with the help of everyone here, uh, your generosity, so we will be able to pay off this uh, particular building in the monastery complex, which is the main uh, temple that I'm sitting in. We're all sitting in right here and also uh, one of our adjoining buildings who was built, I don't know, back in the late 1800s sometime that we call Asparagus House. So we own all of that. We own all of the buildings in the complex. We're still working on a few other buildings, uh, outliers. So anyway, thank you so much for, our, for helping us uh, stabilize this mandala. The interesting thing about a mandala is they're never really stable. It takes practice at looking at the, the discontinuity, at the, at, the, at the difficulty in bringing something together in such a way as to fundamentally support everybody. Fundamentally support. That means you have to respect everybody's clarity and their confusion. Don't correct anybody. Look at your own mind. Look at your own world. Be responsible for your emotions. Do not blame. And if you do, be very aware of that. <clears throat> Anything else I should say that I've neglected to say about that, the fundraiser? Anyway, the, um, yeah. Well, we're very appreciative. And also, we, we limit it to two, two weeks, so nobody wants to hear from NPR uh, every damn day of the month. So we're not NPR. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much. And uh, you won't hear, uh, you probably are going to hear some asks. We're going to still ask for help. We need as uh, ongoing, but we won't have a, a fundraiser like that for at least a year. See, so kind of see where we're at in a year. The title of this evening's Dharma talk is one that I've given before. I think it's time to give this talk again. It will never be the same as the last time, as return to the vow. Return to the vow. Return to the vow. Don't maintain the vow. Don't maintain anything. Anytime you maintain something, this is called fixation. Even if your intention is, is uh, you know, star-studded or is totally golden, Don't maintain. But you can return just using a few simple words. The 16 precepts, I'm not going to go through them. I can't even remember them. May not surprise you. The main one to look at and remember in there is, one, is the last of the three pure precepts, which is be with all things. Whatever arises in your mind stream, in your life stream, don't object, don't agree, don't look away. If you do any of those, you're, you're not with all things. You're fighting against it. You're aligning yourself with it to agree with it, which may seem, well, why couldn't you do that? If it's the vow well, be with all things, why can't you just believe in that? But that does not work. And I'm happy to respond to very direct questions about it. But I don't want to turn it into a conversation. So be very clear about what you're asking. 
you can actually do it can, it can be very fundamental you're in the middle of uh, the grocery store and there's a miscommunication uh, with you between you and the clerk and there's a misunderstanding and you're being sidelined or you're being uh, you're being misunderstood being mistreated this could even happen at the kitchen table needless to say you could just be with that in other words don't agree don't disagree don't look away you don't do not have to argue or convince anybody of anything if something is arising such as a misunderstanding be with that give it a chance give it eight minutes of not doing anything but just looking at it this is a, another way of addressing choicelessness if you need to do something about that you won't be able to help it if you're training your mind if you're spending time on the cushion training your mind to see clearly shikantaza sit down hold still watch what moves don't close your eyes sit down hold still don't be rigid don't maintain the stillness respect what happens in the body i was not taught that way i'm teaching you this way you can benefit by my trying to make myself sit in a cross-legged posture for hours when i was in terrific pain because i thought that was what i was supposed to do so i was told no you shouldn't move sit there i'll move well someone who doesn't have any body pain at all and i can name 15 people which i will not do but people i've met that just don't have body pain quite often their mind is like scrambled eggs but their mind their body is very still they can sit there if you look at them you would think they were enlightened they look like a buddha but their mind could be a mess another person who might, may have a fair amount of clarity but because they can't sit still because their legs ache because they can't even sit on a half lotus not a full, a full lotus you all know what i'm talking about sitting in a full lotus doesn't guarantee enlightenment return to the vow whatever shows up in the mind return to the vow to be with all things the fancy form of that the more personalized form of that to put others before yourself that is extremely hard to do if not impossible especially when we're so self-centered and we need to take care of number one how our feeling our emotions our feelings are what are really important all the subjectivity that cl that clogs up with the intersections of the mind the crossroads of thought patterns conflicting emotions about the nature of what this is i like it i don't like it it's good it's bad it shouldn't be they shouldn't have done that i shouldn't have said this yak 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 on and on and on don't correct that observe it if you try to correct it you just add to the traffic jam your own three cents worth so how do you do that how do you be with all things how do you just sit and receive you practice you practice so that you and the practice is going to feel like what you don't have a lot of muscle use that term in this area it's going to feel uncomfortable you're not going to be able to it'll be one feeling of dissatisfaction or failure after another but you don't look away and look towards some kind of relative success maybe if i just chant this mantra or maybe if i change my posture I'm not saying some of those could not be helpful, possibly. 
oh, as a as I've said many times and others have said, you can't really find a hitching post anywhere that you can say, okay, this is always going to be this way. And I can just, finally, I found something I can lock down on. If I just do this, I'll be good. Probably not. Right and wrong are extra. Those are manipulations of the self-centered ego mind that runs uh, the minds of kings and queens, runs the, the minds of dictators, and runs the minds of almost all politicians, even the ones with extremely good intent, humanists, people that are out to really help others, misunderstand their so-called opposition by thinking it's an enemy. We have to win. We have to beat them. Just hear those terms? We have to win. We have to beat them. And the whole Western culture, not trying to get rid of baseball or football or any of those, any, those competition sports, but Try to keep them in a, in a particular light where you can see that, that that encourages the competition. We even call it, what do they call it, healthy competition? Give me a break. Where was the recent uh, uh, football uh, soccer tournament where people were killed, were trampled? Healthy competition. And you, know, you could say, well, that's that country or that's that's just because it's soccer and it's not little league baseball or whatever that kind of that kind of intense aggression is everywhere go to a little league game and listen to the parents or not there's something else sit more return to the vow you can actually do that yourself you if you understand that you can actually do that in your own mind stream you can look at when the when the crap starts to flow to the top and your, your vocal cords, cords are starting to starting to be starved or be left out because you're not able to, able to express what you want to, because somebody's mistreating you, abusing you. How dare they? How dare people misabuse me? There's plenty of room for, I'm, I'm deliberately talking this way so you will ask questions. Not agree with me. Don't agree with anybody. Don't do what you're told. Most authority is a setup for control. Almost all of it. Even if the intentions are to be fundamentally helpful and serve others and be with all things, look out for that authority, including the one in your mind stream. This is why it's so important to be aware of what's happening rather than then determine what is right, what is wrong, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, and all the the hoopla that goes around in circles trying to figure out what's the right, what's the best, what's what should we do, what shouldn't we do. Don't do anything unless you have to. In this way, your clarity around any kind of alternation, you will be clear about that, and you won't jump to a conclusion based on fear of not knowing what to do next, or on hope of getting it right, speculating on it. Don't bet on anything. So even even someone who has not formally received the vow, there's no requirement here. If you're if you want to listen to what I have to say, consider yourself a student of mine. That's up to you. If you want to make it formal, you know how to do that. Not required. You might want to just keep your distance.
But even if you haven't formally received that, you probably know about it. You've probably heard of the Bodhisattva vow. Bodhisattva, enlightening being as translated by uh, Thomas Clary. Bodhisattva, enlightening being. And there's, of course, traditional uh, t- 10 stages, sometimes 11 or 12 stages, depending on the tradition of how that would look. Doesn't particularly clarify things if you study that, as far as I'm concerned. Can refusing to take the abuse be respecting the abuser's confusion? Bowing. Sure. There is no paradigm that will fit every situation. So therefore, the way you ask the question, absolutely, relatively too. That, that you, it's, it's so situational. And that's why you, me, we, what I'm encouraging all of us to do is don't, don't believe anything. Don't disbelieve anything and don't ignore anything and take your lazy butt to the wall, not yours, but take my lazy butt to the wall, sit down and look at it and look at it and look at it. And then come back the next day and look at it, receive, 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 look at the insanity of the mind, watch it come and go and come and go and trying to get a foothold, try to get some kind of control. It is very, very challenging and difficult, and there's no guarantee that you'll realize your true nature. Even if you practice this the rest of your life, I won't guarantee anything. That's a cheap, no one ever, that's a cheap shot. No one ever guaranteed anything to me. It kind of felt like the opposite other than Trungpa Rinpoche when I was showing him how afraid I was saying, you can do it. And I think I probably asked him how, probably said, you can do it. Well, the only thing he knew is I meditated a lot. But I got no guarantees, no explanations. No, no hope for anything other than that. Go ahead, Willong. Willong Bowing. Um, the way you framed it earlier, you know, how dare, how dare they abuse me? Yes. It feels like that sort of sets a trap. It, that feels so e- ego, how dare. So, my question is, um, is the, the posture when you're abused, is that what de- determines whether it's coming from ego or just a clear no? It's always coming from ego. You don't have to get rid of ego. It's always coming from ego. It's situational, it's relationship, and it's right and wrong, up and down, back. Abuse is wrong. But the way we approach that is a way to go to war with it, stop it, slam it down, punish the person, correct them, get away from them, from anyone whose confusion is being, whose outflows out of their confusion is so incredibly confused that they go to war, they try to download or offload their suffering onto others by abusing them. So it's already too far down the pike. It's like uh, trying to interrupt an avalanche in the middle. Oh, I think I'll stop that avalanche. Well, the karma, the causes and conditions, pratitya samutpada, the dependent origination behind any given action, especially one that has that kind of violence in it, is way, way back there, if you want to use uh, time as a relative construct. It's, it's started a long time ago. This is just the leading edge of it. But there's a, a tremendous amount of force, momentum, and weight behind that. 
So this is why I say to you over and over and over again, I've been saying it ever since I began actively teaching years ago. Find out who you are, train your mind so that anything you see out there, whether it's abuse or whether it's kindness, or no matter what it is, you see what it is. You see what it is because you've been looking at that same thing in your own mind stream. You're very familiar. You are not confused about your own identity anymore. It's interesting. One of the ways that people who are confused about their identity get rid of that confusion is to blame others for how they feel. It doesn't take much. You just immediately just go, probably it's their fault. What a, what a whatever. We just blame others for how we feel. I see it all the time. It doesn't mean that 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 person who is blaming someone else for how they feel, it doesn't mean that their own feeling isn't horrible. We're not taking away, we're not just going to say, well, it's, it's not really that person's fault. It's, these are your feelings. You should just straighten up. No, not necessarily. You don't know how that person feels. That's why it's very important to meet people in their confusion, at their confusion, not to get confused with them. More, Wulong? Wulong bowing. I guess I'm just I'm just curious or wondering what what is a what is a way that to receive the abuse without being abused and without blaming or retaliating. So the important, let me say it again. This, uh, this may be more confusing, but it is not about stopping any of that or starting anything up that's somehow more pure, more serene, more, um, more skillful. It is about being fundamentally aware of it. And that may smell bad. That may taste bad. And that may create thought patterns in your mind and negativity that is really, really difficult to deal with. But you, I'm pointing to you, I'm pointing to anyone here, you can begin by receiving the negativity in your own mind stream. Because if you don't do that, if you think that the negativity in your own mind stream is is caused by someone out there, even though they triggered it, but it's your negativity. So just 10 seconds of receiving your own negativity and being responsible for your emotions might give you some kind of, you could call it objectivity, to see what was really happening with that person in front of you who's abusing someone else, to see that they're really, that's their way of covering up their own suffering. So they don't even know they're suffering because they're making someone else suffer or be um, confused or be, or cower. If, if you've not experienced abusing someone else, you, if you personally, any of you, if you have not really ever experienced that, this may be really difficult for you to understand. I have done that, so I know about it. I did, I did. So let me say one more thing. I did not do something so terrible that it was a crime that I should have gone to jail for or any of that saying uh, it's just something I know about being not being fair with someone. That's what I'm talking about. Go ahead, Wulong. How might this be practiced in, in the case of uh, physical abuse? Get away from them. 
And if you're only 13 years old, then that's one of the reasons we're building this uh, place down the road here. Uh, we're calling, uh, so far, we're calling it Garuda House so that we can create a space where people who are in that kind of a of a crazy situation of having a family that they can't be safe with after school so they can have some place to go is that going to help i don't know i think it's about intention rather than about success it may take this kind of intention to see what we really need to do just like you can't just go in and push over the whole uh, michigan department of corrections just by going in and teaching meditation to uh, half a dozen inmates. I mean, that's good. It's helpful, but it gives them something to do while they're in there besides whatever else they've been doing. But in all the many years I've been doing this with literally hundreds and hundreds of in inmates, I've had, I've only had maybe two inmates that ever came here to practice meditation or study Buddhism afterwards. And they're not here now. They're gone somewhere else. Is that, is that a significator for anything? Maybe not. Maybe it's the intention. To do that. But fundamentally, uh, those rules and laws in prisons need to be changed. So we're waiting for our attorney who's in training. <laughs> He'll be here pretty soon once he passes the bar, I guess. Thank so, you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So uh, to follow up on that just a little bit, it's so situational, as I think I said before, you can't come up with a with a standard protocol for it. It's like, put the whole thing in your lap, do good, don't do harm, be with all things, good luck. Well, I think that's the fourth one, I added that one. <laughs> it's hard to do that, I mean, because sometimes we think if I don't interfere with that, is that that's doing harm because I'm not interfering. But then there's a thing where, well, if I do interfere, maybe I don't understand it clearly enough and my two cents worth uh, is gonna, be, a, be like a too big of a vote in another direction that shouldn't be happening that's more about satisfying my feeling about wanting to be right wanting to be of help wanting to be of service it's very complicated and if you have no mind training at all which i think everyone here uh, has a sitting medita meditation practice you have n none at all that you can't think your way out of this or into it you can't figure it out i don't think I'm, i could be i could be wrong but if you do have a strong awareness practice, probably the first thing will show up as not having a clue, because that's what meditation leads to is you just stop fiddling around with things in your mind, trying to manipulate your, your mind or anyone else's mind. And it can get very difficult. If I think if I see you having a hard time, I may feel very sad that you're having a hard time, but I also may know you if I know you well enough to know that you need to go through this passage. And unless you turn around and run the other way, uh, I am dedicated to helping, helping you with that. Go ahead, sir. Shoto Bowing. Um, is returning to the vow the same thing as losing, Bowing? L losing is, is, is something like just backing up a little bit. Let whatever is you were building up uh, in, in terms of getting ahead or winning or being ahead of the game or being right uh, about backing up just a little bit. It, isn't, it might not look like losing to anybody else, but it might feel like it to you. Returning to the vow is to be with all things. So you could have a, so as uh, Chief Joseph of the Nespers said, uh, 
couple centuries ago, I guess it was, from where the sun stands now, I will fight no more forever. It's quite a statement for someone whose people were being butchered everywhere. So the idea, the idea is to return to a vow rather than maintain it. Because if you maintain it, it kind of crystallizes it, and then you can think you're you're holding on to that, but it's it's a, kind of a past tense thing. It's it's gone. So that the vow has to be intention. I I vow to be with all things. This is why in the Tibetan tradition, if you join any one of those lineages, you're probably going to do start out with a hundred thousand prostrations. Count you have to count them. And they're full. They're all the way out and all the way back up. And then there's three more after that. Before you get, before you even start uh, the, the fundamental practice or sadhana, sadhana, they're hard to do, difficult. And then you do them with the body, because body and mind are not separate. You can't find the mind, but you can find the body. Fall down and get up 108,000 times. Every time you do that, you say a mantra or say a, a, a vow formula. I, I take refuge or I receive refuge or I go to refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and possibly the teacher or the guru. I would have you do that. Repetition, 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 repetition. You, can't, you cannot do anything <coughs> twice. If you think you can, then do that. Do it 20,000 times. And see what happens. Go ahead. Um, um, in our reading this week, um, Trungpa Rinpoche was talking about the vow, and he um, he said it's not dead; it's a it's a living memory. Um, return. That's a return. It's alive. It's sending sparks. It's there. It's living. It doesn't exist in time. It's always there, but you have to return to it. The body-mind complex is wandering up and just return to the vow. I vow to be with all things. It's uh, one of the ways that we can do that, that I've heard about. I, I didn't invent it, but uh, thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. Right in the middle of you feeling like crap and feel like the whole world is against you and you're not getting your way and you're being cheated. You're not getting what you deserve after all the hard work you've done. Thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. Thank you very much. I have no complaints. And notice how the, the, the mind reacts to that kind of a proclamation or assertion. Or you can recite the refuge vow, which we do in, the, in a form in the, the service every morning. We do it over and over. But you can also do that on your own. I don't, I don't have a standard set up for that. If I live long enough, I will set one up, but it's not time yet. How do I know? I don't know. When it's time to do something, I know it. Uh, not because I'm magical or a mind reader. I just don't operate in terms of plans to accomplish things. Unless it's fundraising. Uh, if it's fundraising, we got to pay the rent, so I can't be quite that idealistic. Jason, Brown. go ahead, Jason. Yeah, I have a couple of questions. Go ahead. Um, first, can you tell me more about what you were just saying about 
Thank you very much. I have no complaints and how you would integrate that into either your practice or even just your daily life. Fine. You know, I would leave it up to you. I don't think there's any right way or wrong way. The only the only way wrong way to meditate is not to meditate at all. But how you meditate, you may need to meditate a certain way that I don't even teach. So I would say trust yourself. You may need to meditate with your eyes closed. I don't think that's a good approach. But what do I know? I don't know what it's like to be you. You, uh, Jason, or anyone else. And I would say the idea there is to just, you could say that to yourself. Say it, uh, you, there's usually, uh, the way I teach it, there's three speeds. One is very, very slow. Thank you. Think about what you've just said very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. Or, or make up your own uh, line that has a similar. And then you could say, thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. You could say, you could say if you're going to do it hundreds of times, you could do it very, very fast. Thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. Thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. They, some people can talk even faster than that. So it's not about right and wrong. It's about using the language as it shows up in the vocal cords and in the mind stream just before you say it about synchronizing that and the synchronicity of that will show up as it is, not as you plan. Be very subjective, more than likely, unless you've done, you know, when I say, you know, I'm saying I have 10,000 of them, then, then it will become subjective. Usually right about 20,000 is when you just say it. You don't even think about it. It's quite a few. Could be different for some people might not it may never occur i mean it always might always seem like an imposition to strain to say anything at all mm -hmm. go, ahead. go ahead when you talk about returning is it is it done with the speech like to return to the vow is it just saying the vow again that is a way to do it you could say it in your mind you say uh, you could say I vow to be good. I vow to do good. I vow not to do bad. Or I vow, you can make up your own words for it. There's lots of ways that those three pure precepts are described, and they all seem to have different angles and slants on it. I vow to be with all things. I vow to save all beings. That makes it very personal. That means that everybody you meet, they come first. That doesn't mean you have to put up with somebody's crap. That may be the way in which you um, meet them in their own, put them first. You're actually going to be with them in that. Somebody comes to you a lot with a lot of crap, um, rather than fighting with them or, or ignoring them or agreeing with them or disagreeing. You could just say, how do you mean? And then that opens it up. Then they realize they actually have to say to you what they just said in a totally different way. And when they say that, and, you, and then you could acknowledge that. I'm not talking about deceiving somebody or giving someone a hard time. I'm saying magnetize the person, bring them out, help them to display their neurosis. They're not agreeing. They might even say, because you're doing that, they might say, so you see what I mean? Somewhat. Would you agree with that? Quite often you'll get that eventually. I'll say, no. I don't. 
then they might have actually, because you've spent all that time listening to them, you see, we're not separate. We just look like it. But if you actually acknowledge that with someone, then you actually have access to their to their consciousness. Uh, not, you're not reading their mind. You don't have to read anybody's mind. Everybody, Everybody's insanity is hanging out everywhere, all over the place. You think you're... Uh, the, you're not seen, come and sit in front of me for a few minutes. Or not. Or stay back. <laughs> I just thought of a joke, but I'm not going to tell the joke. Should I tell? No, I'm not going to tell the joke. Bad timing. I'm just trying to get attention. Further questions? Anyone out there in Eric Hendrickson? You must have a question. Eric Bowing. Um, what comes to mind is when you were telling the story about um, meeting with Trungpa Rinpoche, and um, he said, keep going, you can do this. Um, was he right? Did it feel like you were able to do it? Yes, without his help. Yes, sir. He he didn't even elaborate that much. He said, "You can do it," and then I would tell him all the things that were in my way and why I couldn't. And I thought he would give me some advice. He didn't give me. He knew the only thing he knew is I meditated a lot. He he asked me about that uh, initially, but every time I talked to him, uh, that was one of the things he said. You can do it, and I, I wasn't. I didn't say I can do what, although I may have because I was quite put off by that. I felt like I was being kind of shoved away, but it, it, I had to contemplate it. Uh, he, it was choiceless for me to be a student of his. I did not make that choice, but it, it helped me over time. It helped me quite along, uh, helped me go along, but I really needed uh, Coben's help. So three years after Trungpa Rinpoche passed, I met Coben and then I found out that I hadn't gotten anywhere. And made all any, any of the progress I thought I'd made was gone. I had to start over. Eric Bowing, um, <laughs> what does starting over look like? Embarrassing. But you still you still don't get anywhere, but you something happens to the idea that you can get somewhere. It's very hard. I had to go into uh, after meeting uh, Coben. I I needed to go into a retreat. I went to a retreat for about two months, solitary retreat, and I didn't come out all enlightened and uh, all sparkly. It was very difficult. It took. It was years and years later before I understood what his teaching was. Even though I knew intellectually when it was, I didn't know it deep enough. So you, if you're listening to me, you, you have to understand this yourself. There's nothing to believe in here. Buddhism is not a belief system. There's nothing to believe or disbelieve. Those are two sides of the same alligator. 
further questions? Jason Valley. Jason. I noticed when people set me off, and, and one of my big things is like, you don't understand me. I need you to know this because you don't seem to understand me. And I do find myself trying to have the last word and trying to, you know, make sure that I'm understood. At the same time that I notice that I'm doing that, I'm also saying, well, I'm noticing and I'm saying, why am I doing that? You know, why, you know, do they, do they really need to know? And so I, I'm curious about that. Uh, like oh, the impulse and I it's, it just seems like I could it seems like I should be able to stop and yet I could do it impulsively even when I notice I'm doing it and so I guess my question is, is like, what is it how am I able to to see it and recognize it but still be so impulsive um, so it's just a uh, path of awareness. Uh, there's no accomplishment. It will just come apart. The The downside is you're still doing it, what you just, just, just described. Uh, and the upside, upside of it, you don't have to stop that. There, there's no one to stop that. If you start accomplishing that kind of stopping, this is, a, this is more circles of the mind. You just have to see it clearly. If you see it clearly, you'll see that it's just a useless uh, jargon that supports an imaginary self that is unreal. In other words, narcissism or ego, but you have to see it just the way you describe it. I feel like you are seeing it. Just need to keep sitting. Continue to sit, continue to reflect on that, contemplate that and notice when you're in a relationship and you're talking to someone, um, try to see uh, and understand and receive what they're saying or doing or proposing. Uh, without adding any any commentary, just even if you don't understand it, just receive it. Even if you even if when you say, "I see what you mean," you really don't. Still, you do see what they what they mean, but not in the way that the ego can make use of for fodder for its own uh, oligarchy. So you're doing fine. Just continue. Don't give up. Keep keep relating to it, just like you're doing. It takes it takes time. It takes time, and it, and it takes a time. Uh, the kind of time it takes is not the kind that kind of adds up into getting somewhere, or, you know, a PhD or um, anything. Not that we don't need all those too, but it's uh, what what you're describing is the path. Just keep going. I might say, like uh, uh, Trungpa Rinpoche said to me. You can do it. It would, it would apply there. Oh no. You know what Trumpa uh, was telling other students about? I have no idea. Not at all. People didn't talk about their interviews. Uh, I, I never talked to anybody about it. I never, never talked to anyone about the interviews I had with him until much later, right at the time. I, I just, I didn't see any point in telling anybody anything. So I didn't. Divine, did he encourage people in his Dharma talks in that same way? To do, do it? 
I have no idea. I, I didn't hear him. The talks I heard was not particularly encouraging. I don't recall that. It was more, it was more doctrinal material, and also, you know, you you read enough of his talks, and studied them, you can see his style, even though it was cleaned up a bit by by uh, John Baker and uh, oh my, I think I'm forgetting his name. That's a good sign, isn't it? Forgetting things that I don't need to remember anyway. More. Divine, a different question. Uh, when you say be with all things, what about uh, ego? Do we be with, yeah. we're being with the thoughts and the emotions yes. that are arising? But yes, object to nothing, agree with nothing. The identity itself, the false identity. It's unreal. You don't have to get rid of the ego. You just have to see that it's uh, it's false, it's unreal. It's a stat establishment is based on hope for something better or control over things and fear of something worse or covering up the fear. So you have a success story to cover up your fear. We do it, whole communities do it. The upside of the 12-step program is it gives people company with people who are suffering and struggling with the same situation, some kind of camaraderie there. There's, there's no, might be some mind training there, but not much, but my experience with it. So it has its use. Some people are not about to train their minds. They need that kind of place where they can go and just share their experiences. Maybe all they can do, but at some point we have to shut up and train our minds instead of constantly spew out our ideas about everything. You know how it works on on the book study if someone is just telling you a bunch of stuff about what they think. Especially, you might not notice it until somebody does that, and then you realize, I think I have been meditating because that really is showing up to me much more clearly. Not only when they do it, but when I do it. Not I, of course, but you guys. More? Divine. Um, I'm going to give up, are you? What? Being with all things and seeing how uh, the more you meditate, the more. What? You're being the shit that you are. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's a that's awareness. You probably have been that shit all along, but you've got it covered up with the, the justifications. And of course, she, he, they did this and did this. Of course, I'm not going to give them a break. Whatever. But when you, the more you practice, it might take a hell of a lot. Not just three years. It might take a ton of practice. It depends on how tight the container is that you're hiding in. How sealed off that is. And sometimes they're extremely tight. Practice, practice, practice. And eventually, if you start to see the, the edges of the, of the, the um, self-deception, it can be very, very embarrassing. Because you, you realize that you've been doing this for years, for your whole life, and now you, you're being exposed. That's what Coben did for me when I met him. First week, I... And so it seems like in that place, that embarrassment, when you actually start seeing that your self-deception, uh, and you have empathy for yourself, you know, being be with all things. Yeah. Or do you take 
My way is to shut down further. That's my way. I know. That's why you're a student of mine. I know what you're doing. It's just my way of saying it. No, no one can know exactly what was happening to you. But if you've been through a lot of confusion yourself and you know what this is like, you begin to have respect for confusion. You see that people believe their thoughts. You're going to go in circles right up until the time of you expire to go back to your body. Body goes back into the elements. You continue to chase your own tail, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, success and failure, comparing yourself to others. More. Go ahead. A question from Jethro in the UK. Okay. Are fears and ego the same thing? Ego, or the belief in a separate self, um, is maintained through fear. But fear of otherness, fear of something like uh, fear of open spaces, agoraphobia, fear of closed spaces, fear of other, xenophobia, fear, fear of the unknown, uh, who's going to take over your ranch, or whatever it may be. So, Ego is a word that, that describes that aspect of consciousness that is curled up into a ball of paranoia. And it doesn't know it because it's all sealed off. So it doesn't know it's paranoid. It's just the truth. I'm not going to let anybody take advantage of me. You know, I've got, nobody's got my number. I know what I'm doing. And they will, people will use any kind of a structure to hide out in corporate America. Use any number of things. Meta. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could spend your whole life trying to find out why uh, MySpace didn't make you any money. And you can write a book on it. Good. Probably not a particularly interesting book. Further? Anyone? Especially someone who's not asked a question. Asked a question. Come on, you guys. You're going to leave me here. And that's all by myself. Go ahead, Koza. Because I'm dying. Um, when Trump or Rinpoche, Rinpoche said, you can do it, did you have an idea at the time what it meant? I, I felt that he meant I could attain enlightenment or I could, I could realize somehow what my confusion actually was because I was laying out. Uh, I, he wasn't encouraging me to step into a confessional or anything, but I was telling them some of the things that I was dealing with and they were pretty horrific. My temper being one of them. I was blowing my stack and punching holes in walls and was afraid for my safety and for the safety of those around me. But he didn't give me any, he didn't give me any practical advice at all, but he also knew I meditated a lot because he specifically asked me about that. And I told him, so he just went to, you can do it, you can do it. He didn't turn it any kind of a, he didn't buy into my particular thought process and my rationale or whatever it was I was spewing out at the time. And I was very frightened of him because I felt like I wanted to tell him 
what I was going through and what I was doing and what I was experiencing. And at the same time, I was terrified to do that because it was painful. It was embarrassing to, to sit in front of somebody that you felt like it could probably see right through you anyway. But I had, I had uh, without even developing it or trying to, I had great devotion uh, to, uh, towards him as soon as I met him. It started when I read uh, his books, Cutting Through. Started then, but it didn't really didn't really come together right away. It took a little while. I had to go and meet Kategori Roshi first, I think, before I realized that uh, Chungpa was my teacher. Right after that, I went to Naropa Institute, and uh, you know, it's just a process like everybody else's, but actually distinct from other people. People go through different situations. Any more, Akoza? Akoza, um, would you characterize what you thought that it was um, different than you reflect on it now? Or what changed? Uh, no, no. That, that's, that's what's so amazing. That's, that's what I needed to hear. Looking back on it, that's all I needed. And I, whether he knew how much I, uh, I pretty much turned my whole life over to him. He, I didn't think he knew it, but I, uh, I think he did. I completely, I never asked him to be my teacher. He just was. I never went through any process. He just was. And I'm not saying that's the right way to do it or there's a right or wrong, but that's how it was. Take another question if there is one, otherwise we could close up if you like. It's up to you. Wondo. What was the vow you were returning to uh, in those days with when Trumpo was telling you, you can do this? What, were, what was your vow at that point? I think I was just returning to him. I didn't, I understood the refuge vow. I'd done that some, but I've not, not really received any training in that at the time, that time. It's not, it's not the Zen form, Tibetan form. And, and Trung Prabhupada deliberately did not start people doing uh, prostration or tantric practice the creation completion practices unless he um he just wasn't ready to just do that as a general teaching as a lot of uh, tibetan lamas were they would you meet them and you'd immediately start doing prostrations would start you on that whereas he started people doing sitting practice and, then, and he kind of invented the datum that's not a tibetan practice or the month-long uh, sitting meditation where you just practice sitting there to start out with, eventually it became Shamata Vipassana. It was very similar to, to Shikantaza. More about that? When did the vow for you begin? About to be the things? After I started Nundro practice in 1980. So seven years after I met him. Nundro meaning prostration. Mandala practice, uh, Vajrasattva practice, Guru Yoga, and all of those things, preliminary, preliminary practice to sadhana practice, the, the full practice of sadhana. 
So same time, along the same lines of what you're asking, also I was doing a, a whole series of chants every morning that took 20, 15, 20 minutes or longer. The supplication of the Kagyu gurus, lots of chanting, most of it in English, translated out of the Tibetan or wherever else it came from. Question? When negativity seems to be uh, intense, what what is the way to return to the bowing? I would say it, it's it's dependent on and everything is coming and going in your mind stream, but just literally do it. Just prostrate. It, it would depend. Each person is different. You're a fully ordained monk. If you, when you have negativity. You could even say use, make use of those vows because they're they're living, they're alive. There's a whole lineage there. Call on that lineage. It's not theism. It's not worshiping a god. There is no central anything anywhere. Even the Buddha is a, is a piece of wood. No central. If there's anything central, it's your consciousness. And that's only for a little while. Just return to the vow. I go to refuge. I receive refuge, I take refuge, whatever combination of words you want. In the Buddha, the Dharma Sangha, stretch them out. We've talked about it already, personally. Do that. Use the images. Use whatever structure you can, because it, it will not add up to a deity. You're not worshiping anything. You're training your mind. This is a chunk of wood. It's like, like it says in the Zen tradition, see the Buddha on the road, kill him. All it's saying is there isn't any reference point for this. Doesn't mean you need to literally go out and kill somebody who's a monk or something. But we use these structures as forms to help because the ultimate truth is formless. So we need these forms so that we can settle down, sit still, find a place, uh, a mandala, a place where uh, what is encouraged is just basic sanity, which means you include the insanity. You don't have a place of basic sanity where everybody's totally sweet and kind to each other all the time. Might be a lot of craziness in that situation. But that's a good place for it because then it is respected, not obeyed, not reacted to, not throwing people in prison or giving them tranquilizer pills or medication. That being said, if somebody needs that, we don't, we're not, we wouldn't stand in the way of that. Somebody needs to receive uh, whatever therapy or any way you can find to reasonably work with the mind because it's everyone each person's mind is uh suffering in different ways some people need more of a relative kind of help maybe even need medication i don't know oh no how come we're not saying, I take refuge in the Buddha so I can be with all things? It's too complicated. Refuge in the, refuge in the Buddha is, I go to refuge. Uh, I go for refuge. The Buddha would be a long way of saying it. So you're, you're a refugee from samsara. Even though we're all in the middle of it, middle of it we have a job. You have a, you're a therapist. You have a job. We have to earn money. So... So we have, Eric has a job. Everyone here has some kind of way of generating 
uh, an income, hopefully legally. <laughs> yeah, does that did that get to it? Go ahead. What we are taking refuge, so we can be with all things. Yes, you're you're taking refuge with a with with your understanding. It's a it's a model. Here's the Buddha. What we know about the historical Buddha, and how we understand our teacher to be a representative of the Buddha, of that kind of an understanding, a human being who's been studying this, who who has uh, been doing this for a while and has some understanding. Same thing with we, we still look at what we study. If you just look at all the things we've studied over the last 15 or 20 years, we've got, covered a lot of area, early teachings of the Buddha and all kinds of different directions that we've gone with all the sutras. And then the Sangha, we have a really diverse group of people. Um, diverse, we don't have, uh, we don't have uh, black people, uh, Afro-American black people. We have some come and visit and come and go. But you know, it's a, it's a white community. So it'd be, you know, we might make that transition eventually. I'm hoping that we can include people of different backgrounds like that. So looking like that will happen. I might not live to see it, but we're actively we're trying to work with this high school over here, which is what 80% black. It's like 10% black when I went there in 1959, three blocks away. So we're, we have to do it slowly. You just can't push it over. And this is not, uh, this is a foreign religion. And, you know, not that Christianity isn't a foreign religion. Of course it is. It didn't, didn't come from this country. I mean, you could go on and on about the whole religious idea. Then we get into Mormons and Seventh-day Adventists and, and then those other, what are those other kind of Theravadan Buddhists? Anybody else got any feedback? Further about that? Okay, I guess there's no more questions. And we will head out after we do what? Dedicate tomorrow. Okay. Hi, I'm Senshu, one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan offers his wisdom tirelessly with complete love and devotion. If you value these teachings, Sokuzan, the mandala of Sokukoji, please consider donating at sokukoji.org. Thank you.